What's happening in trans-Tasman sport? From Australia and New Zealand with Nikki, Ben and Craig. You are listening to the Quasi Sport Podcast. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook and we are at quasisport.com. Joining me, freshly back from Japan, is Nikki Styrus, now back in Auckland. Hi, Nikki. Hi, guys. Still a little bit jet lag, but no one cares about that, do they, when you've been on a long trip? So, no, great to be back and uh, looking forward to a chat. Not when you're sitting at the pointy end of the aeroplane on your way back from Japan. It'll just seem like a bus <laughs> trip into the city. And uh, Ben Kimber, <laughs> sitting safely as well in Sydney. How are you, Ben? I'm good, my friend, but I've, I feel like the sports news has been slowing down towards Christmas, so mm. there's not as many mm. hot topics, but there's always something to talk about. There is, but things haven't yep. been slowing down for Sonny Bill Williams' agent, who has been hard at work over the past year, as we discovered on Sky Sport News this week. Speaking of the commercial manager at the Toronto Wolfpack, they'd been talking to Sonny Bill for a long time, but they finally landed their man. Reports between 10 and $12 million, plus a Netflix deal, plus he's allowed to box, plus he gets shares in the club. Not a bad deal. Uh, Nikki, it was a big story this week in New Zealand. Was It, it mm. wasn't like in the past where it was a big story because Sonny Bill Williams is going jumping codes. It was a big story, I think, mainly for the money, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, look, it was, but um, we also had a story because um, one of the Toronto Wolf ba- uh, Pack. Oh gosh, now now I'm gonna it's going to elude me. Like director of sport or whatever was here in New Zealand, and he was watching the Kiwis train, and we did a story on him, and he actually poured cold water on the uh, ten million dollar deal, saying that. Um, it was nowhere near that sort of money. So that's that's interesting. So perhaps that may have been slightly inflated. But, um, yeah, I have heard that, you know, he gets a share of the club and a starring role in a Netflix series, you know, that runs over three seasons. And, oh, look, I say good on him. Um, you know, he's a fabulous athlete and he's definitely made the most of his life. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing his return to league, especially since he hasn't played since 2014. I'm to drop a name. I was talking to Israel Dag on Friday. And Izzy said, what a lucky bloke. He's at the end of his career. He's a croc. And he's got the biggest payday <laughs> of his career. Just at the time, you should be getting the worst payday of your career. Uh, ben, has it made any uh, any ripples in the pond of Australian media? Mate, it's enormous news over here because the Roosters' salary sombrero didn't jam Sonny Bill Williams back underneath it. <laughs> That's largely the biggest news, I think. Everyone thought Nick Pilates, of course, would bring him back home in some capacity. One of those special deals where he's a coach the following year and a, he's a cashed-up coach or something like that. But no, look, it definitely got reported because he is he is a large figure in Australian sporting circles. He's had uh, plenty of success in Australia uh, and he's he's a very well-known figure. So it has been talked about and that nice round number of $10 million certainly gets tongues wagging, particularly when the Toronto Wolfpack over here would be something that, you know, you'd see the hard-bitten leaguey journos talk about and pretty much no one else. No one would really know who the Wolfpack is, except you hear these names popping up and going over there, you know, players in, in, on their retirement run. But going on a retirement run, I'm with Israel Dag for 10 million bucks when, you know, you, you're probably just keeping your body together in those last few years of full on footy. That's an enormous number. Though I suspect, Craig, that cold water can be poured because usually that kind of number is cobbled together from a bit of value for this and a bit of value for that. And all of a sudden it's inflated. But look, you can, you can guarantee it's multi million dollars and, it is a fantastic outcome for Sonny Bill. He's done. He's, it's a boy's own story, really, the way he's managed his his career. 
He's, you know, premierships in the NRL here, a World Cups for the All Blacks, bounced back and forth, played in France, uh, boxed. He's done everything he wanted to do. He's cashed up all the way through, and um, he's certainly, you wouldn't find many who have squeezed the juice out of it as much as he has, and good luck to him. But it's also good luck for the Wolfpack because they'll use him as well. They'll get him around the, the, the schools, you know, teaching them rugby slash rugby league. Uh, they'll use him throughout the media. Will they get their money back on their investment? Oh, I absolutely think so. Yeah, I mean, like, what an ad- an amazing advertisement for the Toronto Wolfpack with this, you know, two-year deal that potentially will go longer. I mean, he is... He's basically doing what David Beckham did when, you know, when he went to America. He's doing the same thing for the Toronto Wolfpack in uh, UK Super League. And I, and I think it's a, a fabulous coup for UK Rugby League. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in his Netflix series. I'm not sure what his acting skills are like. but uh, and, and let's not forget, apparently he's also secured a um, a boxing bout with shark skipper Paul Gallon apparently for next year too. So, you know, he's back to league, he's back to boxing. He's got a lot of strings to his bow, this fella. He's doing well. But he's not exactly been the most exciting bloke for a Netflix series. My, my wife watches all the housewife <laughs> shows. They all get drunk, they argue. Uh, he is the ultimate professional, but he's not exactly box office in terms of Netflix, is he, Ben? Oh, look, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of ladies out there who'd like to watch him do a few um, push-ups or something. But Take yes, his shirt God, off. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, you'd have to agree. Uh, I can't see him being box office success. It's interesting you say whether he'll be value or not. Uh, in terms of the game getting bigger in Toronto, you'd surely have to hire an ex-ice hockey player, wouldn't you, into the Toronto Wolfpack to, to really get the locals fired up, I would, would have thought. But if I'm, you know, if I'm UK Super League, I think it's a fantastic acquisition in terms of putting the the competition on the map uh, and the fact mm. that Toronto are involved, getting them involved, that absolutely is going to give value to the competition. And I suppose in that sense, it will at least elevate the Wolfpack. It'll get some interest from Australia and from New Zealand. There'll be some people noticing what's going on. You've got to think it's a very good shot in the arm for the game in the UK. But the Wolfpack itself, I probably don't know enough about them to understand what they think their opportunity is. Uh, is it an, an Aussie or a Kiwi billionaire or someone who owns them who set them up? I think an he Aussie said before mining that he found mandate. it. Yeah, uh, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Australian, and isn't I, it? Yeah, and, he, and I think he said before that he wanted to get into rugby union because that was his game originally, but he, it was too hard to buy into, whereas he's managed to set himself this team up. And if he's got the cash to splash, uh, you know, getting Sonny Bill in there, I think in terms of names in rugby league and rugby union circles, they don't come much bigger. So I'd be mm. fascinated to see how they squeeze the, uh, the 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 value out of him, but yeah, I, I can't see I'm going to be tuning in for his Netflix special. That's not doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> it's funny how Nikki talks about uh, the body of SBW. Uh, a few years ago, <laughs> I was having uh, a cup of coffee with Daniel Anderson, the former Kiwis. Uh, Parramatta yes. and Warriors coach, and we just mean we parked our cars uh, near the Sydney Football Stadium when it existed in Sydney, and we get out of the car, and Sonny Bill is just coming out of the gym, and Daniel goes, "Oh, Sonny Bill," because he coached him when he was at the Kiwis. So Sonny Bill has his uh, his sandals on, he's got his little tiny rooster shorts on, and that's it. And he's been pumped because <laughs> he's obviously no weights, 
And I thought it was like watching uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, like when one of those statues had come to life, you know, like, <laughs> and he's walking. <laughs> he was the most unbelievable. Yeah, he was. He was humble. I, I went home to my wife and I was gushing. It was so sad. I was like, I've never seen anything like outside of standing, outside of the mix zone at the Olympics. I'd never seen anything like that. But that's, I mean, you can have one episode of, of Netflix like that. Nikki, in your experience actually you know, meeting Sonny Bill, did you like him as a ta- as talent in terms of, uh, of, of for journalism purposes, of course. Um, how did you find him? Oh, look, I'm, I'm going to say, um, and this is a really sexist thing to say, but his um, his body is definitely his, his best attribute. Um, I've seen him <laughs> at the gym a number of times, actually, at Les Mills in Auckland, and um, he walks into the room and, and every head turns, particularly the female heads, and, you know, he is quite exquisite when it comes to the way he looks and, and you know, the uh, symmetry of his of his physique is, is phenomenal, and he looks like a wonderful athlete. But when he speaks, he's, you know, he's quietly spoken. He's like he doesn't set the room on fire in that respect. And I think, um, you know, for me, I, I quite like them a little bit more rough and rugged. And uh, so, you know, he's, he's, he's not quite my type. But um, but but I will say he's always Scotty's been a Scotty's got a similar very... build, though, does he? <laughs> well, well, he had – oh, should I can, I – can I say that? No, I probably can't. Yeah, no, uh, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> but um, from a media perspective, no, look, a very genuine fellow and, um, you know, always answers very honestly and, you know, relatively articulate in his speech. But uh, so I've never, you know, ne- don't have any criticisms of him from a media perspective. But, yeah, about that Netflix series, he's going to have to take his shirt off a few times to uh, get me watching, that's for sure. I've got to say, out of the two of them, Scotty is a much better after-dinner speaker. He is I would guarantee that. I can guarantee that. Yeah, yeah. I married him for his personality. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One final one to you, Ben. You mentioned the Roosters and their salary sombrero. It looks like um, Latrell Mitchell might be slipping out of that uh, sombrero. What's your take on Mitchell and his – apparently the Roosters have gone cold on him. Um, From your side of the ditch, you know, what's the news there? Well, mate, it's, it seems he, he's, you know, wants out of the joint. There's, the reports are that he's been trying to maximise his earnings. And, you know, who could blame him? You know, I think he had an $800,000 multi-year deal on the deal on the table for the Roosters. Talk that other clubs might get towards the $1.2 million mark or get further up there. He's a kid who wants to make the most he can. And, and as I said, you couldn't blame him for that. But it's the, it, the, it's playing out, a, not, not nastily, but it's playing out a little bit edgily in the media. The Roosters withdrawing their offer. Um, they'll let him go anywhere except for South, they're saying. You know, then you see little stories seeded about, you know, he turned up to training in the Mercedes and the Roosters were worried about him. So it's almost like they're getting snippy through the media because they can see him going and he might be, you know, they're trying to put a bit of pressure on him. And a few other clubs are, are, are saying they're not in the market for him. You know, he's a marquee player. Questions, you know, this year over whether he's going to be uh, in the right frame of mind. Um, he had a rough year and he's a young, he's still a young bloke. So whether he's going to be the right investment over time for clubs, they're not too sure about. But look, it's it's playing out at the moment. Um, he is a talent. He, you know, I hope he get, he sorts it out and, and and lands on his feet somewhere because uh, he's a guy who should be able to, you know, maximise the most of what he's gotten and take it forward. But it's getting a bit messy, mate. It is getting a bit messy. Yeah, very messy. The only club, well, the only t- the two clubs not connected to him, the Raiders, who don't need him, frankly. And I'm surprised, Nicky, that the Warriors haven't thrown their hat in the ring. They they'd be very quiet. The Cowboys want him, don't they? they? 
Well, yeah, well, well aren't they, they after they're David for <laughs> the Warriors after David? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> We're good at Peter. chasing people who are either in jail or have got some sort of impending court case <laughs> or have got some kind of, um, I don't know, some <laughs> issues hanging over them, which happened when we had with Karen um, Foran. And, you know, we, we're good at that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't could, know. Could actually, I just, to be honest, um, I know much about it. Craig, could I just tie tie that sort of story into a couple of other things that are sort of floating around at the moment? You mentioned Sonny Bill, and, you know, he is a softly spoken guy, and he doesn't, he doesn't bring a lot of media value per se other than his name, and he is a big name, and he does add a lot of value that way, but he is quite a boring interview, that, as you see. But I would, I would say, you know, it's interesting when you see these teams and these clubs who want to spend big money on people and what the value they get. There's the football value, and then there's the extra value. Talk about bringing Eddie, bringing Eddie Jones back, for instance, for the Wallabies. The media coverage of the Wallabies will be double any other coach they hire, I guarantee it. We hire a Dave mm. Rennie, a Joe Schmidt, whoever we hire, Eddie Jones would bring media value through the absolute roof. And I want to have a little shot at the All Blacks here. And just because they've, they've turned themselves into a football organization that has taken the personality out of their players over many years now, the whole idea of humility and not saying anything, they have been boring as hell to interview for years. And that's, and that's, and I don't mean that in a negative way, you know. They've done the talking with the football and they've turned themselves into a great, you know, um, a very high profile team. And, I'm sure they've been great at generating money and, and no off-field issues. You know, if they can avoid off-field issues, that makes a big difference. But it's amazing how they the, the All Blacks, to me, look like they've really deliberately sucked the personality out of these guys. Like Richie McCaw, I'm sure, is a lovely fella. Never in his life has he said anything worthy of writing down in his entire mm. career. And Dan Carter's not far behind. So, you know, if they hire Sonny Bill, it's going to be for the abs and the, uh, and the football <laughs> uh, in the same way you know, Latrell Mitchell, you know, I don't know much about him as a person because he hasn't been quote-worthy so far, really, though he sort of might be. be interesting if he does go to a club, does he bring that media value to Yeah, I, I just want to say something there too. Look, I, look, I think you're absolutely right, Ben, and I think that the um, the, the All Blacks per se as a, a brand um, have been very protective of their players, and I have absolutely no doubt that they – you know, give them a lot of media training and say, you know, you keep this to a minimum. You only say this. We don't. We don't talk about this. And and, and the whole thing is sort of run by Hanson. It'll be interesting to see when the new coach comes in whether that will change ever so slightly. Um, and we might see a bit more personality, but it has been stifled. But then also on the other hand, Richie McCaw and Dan Carter are not larger than life personalities either. Uh, you've only yeah. got to look at someone like Scott Robertson. Now, if Razor Robertson came in as the All Blacks coach, you are going to see a whole different kettle of fish because he can't help himself. I mean, it's, it's who he is. It's how he rolls. So perhaps that would, would, would change things a little bit. Um, so I, I hope they do because the, from a media perspective, there's nothing more boring than interviewing the All Blacks. Um, and really, all yes. you ever get to talk about is their performance on the field rather than anything off the field that they can add from a, you know, a personality point of view. And let's face it, um, sport is about entertainment, and entertainment is not just what you see on the field. It's also what happens in and around that. So it would be really nice to inject a little bit of life back into the All Blacks going forward. Mm, I would absolutely agree. Yeah, look at the USA. They make uh, personality to their players. They in, in NBA, NBA yes. the NFL, in particular. They also they, give locker room access. Yeah, that's it. They, they, 
I think Australia and New Zealand have a long way to go. Like even this week, trying to get in touch with the Toronto Wolfpack, they got straight back to us straight away, and, and they did an mm, interview with us. Mm. Imagine if Latrell, Latrell Mitchell signs with, let's say, the Cowboys. Imagine how difficult it's going to be getting an interview with anyone associated with the club. They're going to lock down. They don't want to talk about anything. And that's a good news story. Anytime there's a bad news yes. story, you look at how the Americans do it. They front foot it. They'll they'll have the coach. They'll have the player involved. They have the interview. They get it out of the way. Yeah, Australia and New Zealand have a long way to go. Now, that's also of, because – oh, yeah. sorry, Craig. That's also because I think um, American sport have been professional for that much longer. You know, their, their systems and their products are that much more advanced. They're probably 20 years ahead of, um, you know, the Southern Hemisphere in that respect. So I think we will eventually, you know, catch them up a little bit. We aren't the same types of personality, so you won't get the larger-than-life American approach, but you will get a more professional uh, re- reply, which would be great because it certainly needs to happen. Yeah, I remember years ago going to uh, LA to do a story on the Dodgers because there was an Aussie pitching for them. The way that they treated me compared to how I'd been treated by Sydney Rugby League clubs or the AFL was a stark difference. That I had mm. full access to any player mm. that I wanted, and these were guys earning $30, 40 million a year. When the game was on, someone sat with me, explained the rules. I could have, uh, I can't remember, I think it was Bud who sponsored it and popcorn and hot dogs, whatever I wanted. They followed it up with an email. Thank you so much for uh, investing your time in our, you know, you just, I just didn't get that mm. depth at any stage working with uh, rugby league. It has to be said back then, the Wallabies either because they were doing well. All right, let's, um, let's have a little break and then we're going to talk some cricket. You're listening to the Quasi Sport Podcast with Nikki, Craig and Ben. You're listening to the Quasi Sport Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and at quasisport.com with Nikki, Ben, and myself, Craig Norenberg. So just before we get on to cricket and goose and greats, Ben, you've got something you wanted to ask Nikki. Actually, actually Nikki, one other point for me was I'm, I'm sure I read a story this week, I cannot remember where, but out of New Zealand saying that the All Black success has actually covered up the fact that rugby in New Zealand is under siege a little bit. The, 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 the report basically mm. said the All Blacks, you know, they're going on to Sky and going to pay TV. You know, it's not the same. They get a lot of cash, but it's not the same. You don't get the rugby in everyone's home like you used to, particularly now you see the Spark mm. deal and all this kind of stuff. If it's only – it's a game for those who pay for it, that, that rugby in itself, clubs aren't recruiting as much, that the, the underlying strength of the game isn't what it was. Now, I've only read the one story on it in the last couple of weeks, so I don't know. But it, it, I'd like to know, do you think that's the case? Because if that is the case, the need for them to have media-savvy figures and to be out there – and to, to be more than just, you know, playing good football, I think is really important. It's interesting you say that, and 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 yes, I think to a degree, um, the the face of sport, and particularly our national sport of rugby, is changing in this country, and that definitely has started at the grassroots level. Um, I know now that I think basketball has the highest participation for young boys in sport, you know, over rugby, and there is a lot more competition for kids as they go through. Not not just necessarily. It's not just about Second the All Blacks now. Too. With <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whether that is because um, the way rugby has had this sort of high-profile, nothing-can-touch-us attitude and and not promoted the sport well enough, um, I couldn't be sure. But I know that you're right. They need to change their branding a little bit. They need to encourage these young kids and they they need to actually – 
you know, give people a reason to want to watch their product. And as I said before, it's got to be everything that goes around the sport, not just what happens on the field at the, you know, the, at the elite level. And there was a lot of criticism um, from the New Zealand public when Spark Sport took on the rugby rights because it didn't become accessible to everybody. And they've had a lot of technical issues as well over the rugby World Cup. So there is a lot of discontent and that may put a lot of people off uh, rugby. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is changing and uh, New Zealand rugby need to take a good hard look at their marketing and say, right, we need to not only promote our rugby at the top level, but we need to promote it at the bottom level because as we all know, if you don't have the players coming through, you'll soon start to notice it at that top level. Yes, interesting discussion. The day that rugby isn't doing well in New Zealand is probably the day at the end of my life. But let's go on a little bit of cricket. <laughs> um, and, and it's kind of, this kind of is a goose and a grape. I'm going to ask, uh, oh, let's go to you first, Nikki. Um, is it 2020 cricket a goose or a grape? I've got to say, uh, there's been two 2020 series, England and New Zealand in New Zealand to kick off the, the summer of cricket in New Zealand. And in Australia, Pakistan, Australia to kick off the summer of cricket in Australia. Um, have you caught the cricket bug? Has this excited you? The crowds haven't been <laughs> great. Is 2020 cricket a goose or a great at this time of the year? Uh, look, it's always a tricky one because from my perspective, um, I am a cricket lover. So, And I live in a household where my husband is a, is a cricket commentator, so I'm probably slightly biased in my view. Uh, I, I like T20 cricket um, just for the, the the short entertainment factor, and so I was very excited to to catch the last, you know, last two T20 games. Um, so for me, it's more of a great, um, you know. So I'm, you know, obviously there's a T20 series going on with England now. Whilst T20 is not necessarily the top form of cricket, there is definitely some unfinished business between New Zealand and England, and it still very much hurts the way New Zealand uh, lost the, you know, the One Day World Cup, and that's very fresh in the minds of people here. So having England here, I think, has already generated that interest straight away, and uh, to take the series to two all. Um, you can't really sort of ask for more than that, and today um, was the decider. And when the, the the rain gods almost had the final say on the game, I thought, oh, this is going to be a complete nut of fizzer. But as as luck would have it, um, the, the break in the weather allowed an 11-over match between the two sides, and <laughs> you couldn't have written the script better. Um, you know, it, it, it went down to the wire. It was a tie, once again, just like the World Cup, and on 147, um, and then it went down to the super over. And unfortunately, once again, New Zealand lost. So uh, that's a series to them. So I would say um, absolutely it's it's generated enough interest here. And obviously, we're going to um, move on to the, the, the T-series. So for us, yes. Um, ben, you might have different views on how things are over in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and, mate, you, you Kiwis better be careful or we're going to start calling you mentally fragile, losing those super overs <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, Never. Uh, look, over here, um, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a slow burn. I'm probably speaking a bit more for myself than the wider public. I'm not sure how it's rated on TV, et cetera. I, I personally, I really enjoy my cricket. Love, love it in, in all forms. I enjoy the 220. I enjoy the one days. Love test cricket. But cricket as a market for me personally has become too saturated over the last few years, you know. 
all this talk now of the T20 World Cup. I'm like, didn't we just have the World Cup? Oh, hang on, that was the one, you know, one day. What was, you know, what's going on? Who's, who's playing who? I don't have enough clarity on how the season hangs together. Uh, that said, you know, I've caught a bit of the, the, the last couple of games because it's on TV and I've thrown it on and it, it is starting to warm me up after the Rugby World Cup, which really was, you know, a very dominant um, thing on my sporting landscape. So I think, I think, I do think this, it's too saturated, the amount of cricket that we see, but what we have at least here now is the, the local version of the season starting to really kick in. So I haven't been paying enormous attention to the Pakistani T- T20s, but I definitely have on my radar that the cricket's back in action. I've seen the Steve Smith and the David Warner stories, um, and, and I know it's coming, and in fact I'm already booked in for my, uh, my trip to the test matches. <laughs> nice. But I guess Benny, uh, Benny and Nikki. And I'm actually keeping an eye on how Pakistan and the England and the players that they've sent out, uh, they treat 2020 even as as not like the real thing because they hold back their big guns for any one-day series or tests, don't they, Nikki? Oh, sort of. I mean, I, I, look, I think you've got to remember that there is a T20 World Cup next year. So, um, you know, any country should be taking it seriously. Um, and I certainly know that, you know, England um, – had a pretty strong side, will have a pretty strong side here in New Zealand at the moment for the T20s, as far as I'm aware anyway. I have only seen two of the five matches. So I'm not sure that they're not taking it seriously. Um, it's it's definitely not the pinnacle. Um, test cricket will be considered the pinnacle, and, and that is to come shortly. But, uh, no, I, no, I think they, um, they are working towards this T20 World Cup. So fair play. Hmm. Yeah, I, I disagree. I'm not a fan of 2020. Not at this stage anyway. Maybe I will be by, uh, by, by next year. All right, that's, that was just a little taster for the summer of cricket that's coming up. We're going to take a break and then we'll get into our, uh, our goose and greats. What's happening in trans-Tasman sport? From Australia and New Zealand with Nikki, Ben and Craig. You are listening to the Quasi Sport Podcast with me, Craig Norenbergs, Nikki Styrus. And Ben Kimber, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Nikki, let's go to you first for a, a goose and greats. Who is your goose? Well, actually, Craig, this works nicely um, after our cricket chat because my goose of the week actually is an English cricket commentator by the name of Simon Hughes. And uh, he's my goose for this reason. Now, we all remember Sean Abbott, particularly um, Australians, I'm sure, um, and, you know, I'm not even going to say because I think Simon Hughes summed it up really badly in his commentary. Uh, Sean Abbott came back to play his first game of T20 in five years. And uh, this is how he was introduced. He was introduced as the player who had the misfortune of bowling the ball that killed Phil Hughes. And oh, that he went did here. not. No, he seriously did. And... um oh. Yeah, and I look, look, there was an uncomfortable silence. Now, yes, it's factual, and yes, he probably didn't mean it to come out the way it came out, but he would have just been a lot better just to leave it alone because it was already a very emotional moment for Sean Abbott. You could see afterwards, he actually played a great game. I think he got two, two for 14, and he came off the field and he, he was um, interviewed by the one of the um, reporters who just said, how do you feel? And you could see he was visibly choked up about the emotion of the moment. So 
I just think it was really poor taste from Simon Hughes. It wasn't necessary. It sort of lacked respect for Sean Abbott. I think, you know, it just, to me, it just reeked of you haven't done your homework. You probably should have just shut your mouth. And for that reason, he is my goose of the week. Oh, disgraceful. Ben, can you top that? That is pretty ordinary. Um, now, look, mm. my goose of the week, uh, actually, I'm going to tie it back to our Sonny Bill Williams conversation because my goose of the week is his powerhouse uh, forward, Brisbane forward, David Fafita, uh, who is an absolute gun. He's a beast uh, on the on the footy park, but he's ended up in a Bali jail cell being held after sh- some shenanigans uh, over there on, um, you know, end of season stuff. And rugby league does it in spades. We've always got these off-field stories. There's always someone doing the <laughs> wrong thing. They can never quite find a season where they don't have blokes who are disgracing themselves in some way or another. But I tell you what, if you are a player with the kind of talent of David Feeder and you see an old Sonny Bill Williams whose knees could be shot, who knows, he could be a croc, signing a $10 million odd deal when he's in his you know mid-30s, that is the kind of thing that you should say to yourself, mate, Get off the juice, get off the get off the booze. Um, well, I don't mean juice in that way, but get off the drink, um, uh, and you know, sort yourself out. Concentrate on your body, your fitness, staying out of trouble, and you could really do something with your life here. Whereas, it, you know, there's there's plenty of blokes who had talent and went nowhere uh, because they they couldn't uh, keep it together off the field. So he's my goose of the week. It's getting to the point that they should start banning rugby league players from going Bali in the off season and. It's astonishing. There's plenty of places um, to Nikki, get in trouble, mate. There's plenty of places. Yeah, that's true. They'll just go to Vegas or, you know, it doesn't matter where you put it. <laughs> so proper. It's so proper. All right, Nikki, who is your great? Okay, well, um, there wasn't a great that sort of jumped out at me this week because as Ben alluded to at the start of the podcast, it's, it's been a bit of a quiet week, I guess, after the Rugby World Cup and so forth. But um, one thing that did happen that caught my attention was the Kiwis playing um, – in the rugby league series with Great Britain. And uh, I'm always dubious watching the Kiwis play because I've often thought, you know, they've sort of looked, I don't know, disinterested, not connected, no flow, and only come together a week before. It's just all sort of um, ho-hum. But they actually played a bloody good series and uh, they beat uh, Great Britain last week and then they had the um, second game last night. And I watched the game and they played a really, really good game. They, you know, the, the, their defence on the goal line was superb. Sean Johnson, who has come under, you know, considerable criticism from me and probably the um, New Zealand rugby league fraternity in general, um, also uh, showed glimpses of, of the flair that he's been known for in the past. Now, maybe that is because he was dropped uh, for the first game against Great Britain and it's worked in uh, – Maguire's favour, but he came out firing, they all came out firing, and actually they won that game quite convincingly, and that's their first series win over Great Britain in 20 years, so for that reason, I think I'm going to give them my grade of the week. Oh, poor old Great Britain, the old dad's army line got another trotting out. <laughs> it arguably, as some people, well, Tony Kemp called them the worst Great Britain side to ever tour New Zealand. All right, uh, Ben, who is your great? Oh, thanks for that, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, look, my great of the week, mate, I think I've had her as my great uh, in the past couple of months, but uh, Ash Barty, Australia's number one tennis, female tennis player, 
uh, she's just powering. She's, um, she won a, a tournament in China with the, you know, the largest payday, I think, going around. She's picked up about 10 million bucks for the year. And she said the way she was going to celebrate was a couple of beers sitting on the couch. So, uh, she knows how to conduct herself in public. She knows how to get to the hearts of the Australian public and she knows how to win tennis matches. She's my grade of the week. Yep. Nice. It's amazing. She, she's gone from, I can't imagine how little she was paid to play cricket. She's gone from that to massive paydays, travelling world, the world, and I imagine is top business class or first class, uh, an amazing turnaround. Uh, thank you both for your input this week. Nikki, thank you as always. Pleasure. Nice to chat to you boys. Nice to be home. That was a good one. And Benny, I look forward to hearing your dulcet tones next week. Thank you very much, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Elvis. <laughs> We'll be back next week with another edition of the Quasi Sport Podcast. 